Welcome to Crest. I'm your host, Tom Anderson. Big week for us, a debut of sorts. It is possible for the first time to see this episode on video if you head over to our YouTube channel. The listener experience, of course, remains top priority. So if you're picking us up with one of our usual platforms, Apple, Spotify and newly Google podcast, then there will be no change to the experience at all. But it is possible to see us if you wanted to head over there for our video debut. Now, before we start, a reminder again of our September giveaway. This week's episode, like last week's, is brought to you by Porthcall Surf School. To celebrate this partnership with Crest for the month of September and while stocks last, listeners to the show can claim a free car freshener and a bar of wax from Porthcall Surf School at their centre at Rest Bay. How do you prove you're a Crest listener? It's simple. You need to show on the screen of your device that you have downloaded this show and that you are in the middle of listening to it. More giveaways to follow for our listeners as we head into autumn and the last few episodes of Crest Season 1 ahead of a short winter break. But before that, it's James Jones. Challenge to show Wales his best surfing to the world, this is the guy I choose. With rail game, a power repertoire, and one of the best vertical bashes out there, James Jones would turn heads anywhere, and it's all done with style and speed. But above all that, what's the first thing anyone says about him? Nicest guy you could ever hope to meet. Welcome to Crest, James. We stand by it all. Stick him out there with the Aussies, the Brazilians, any other nation, and James will blow up. But, crucially, he'll do it making friends all the way. I reckon I'm sat alongside one of the nicest guys in surfing. One of the, one of the coolest dudes. Two of them, actually. Uh, it's a guest presenter. Ladies and gentlemen, for this ultra-special episode, we are making our video <laughs> debut. If you're watching us on YouTube, then a crest first. This week, instead of simply seeing the great cover art by GS Design Co. throughout the episode, you should if producer Dodd, who's just out of sight to the left of the screen, but he will come on screen one day, uh, has read the manual properly, uh, you should be able to see us. Uh, and if you can see us, then you'll notice that we found a half-decent solution to Rob's quarantine problem in the form of James Rhino Thomas star of our second interview episode ever, and of that Tom Curran tale, which led us to an Inertia article. Welcome back, Rhino. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, befitting the life of a man in demand, uh, this is actually Rhino's second Crest recording session as co-host. He and I interviewed the incredible Angus Ruddle a day or two ago, and we had an absolute blast, and that is out next Monday. But we've got to stick to producer Dodd's master chronology plan, so... Uh, it's complicated, I know, but it means that Rhino's first hosting stint to see daylight is actually being made with him already a veteran in podcast hosting. Uh, anyway, he is here to keep James Jones on the straight and narrow, uh, or actually, should I say, as far away as possible from the straight and narrow, and we're both delighted about that. <laughs> That's a good pun for James, really. Going straight is about as far as you can get from what his surfing actually looks like. <laughs> Although in the 90s in particular, he was famous for having some pretty narrow boards under his talented feet. 
I first saw James surfing back when he was a Grom, and as would happen, coming from a family like his, he arrived with a lot of fanfare and a lot of expectation. But from my perspective, being pretty much the first in my bloodline to become a serious surfer, I can only imagine what it must have been like to learn to surf with a whole nation waiting for you to achieve big things. But he wore the pressure with a beautiful smile and a beautiful smile which never actually left him. Weight of expectation, what weight of expectation? Around the start of his grommethood, James started winning and he didn't stop. Apart from when he chose on his terms to take a break during which he surfed every day only to come back even better. Coaching, mentoring, repping. In fact, various roles within the surf industry, including now running the WSF Surf School. James is an all-rounder in every sense of the term. You won't find a better person to chat the technical details of wave riding with, and we will be doing that in due course. And his passion for the surfing which this country produces is infectious. And I've been fortunate since the last time we were against each other in a jersey to spend time with James quite often through my own work in the surf industry. And I always love coming here. Everybody loves him and there's a real sense of a top surfer who happily sits right in the middle of a community. And that is something which is very important to you, isn't it James? Having a place and a role in a surf community, like both on a national and a local level. Yeah, definitely. It's just nice to be... Uh... Well, you've got to be involved with everyone, haven't you? It's, you know, I'm good mates with all the people I surf against and you've got to be nice to everyone because they've got to come in and give us their money. So. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. And my yeah. dad did say to me a long time ago, he said, just remember the people that are outside the shop when we open in the morning are here to give us their money. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. You heard in our intro, you know, references to sort of growing up, um, and, uh, you know, things did sort of happen pretty thick and fast for you. And you, you were sponsored by Quick at, was, was, was it the age of Yeah, it was about 13, I, I think it was. It was, um, yeah, it, it, I sort of, I'd been competing a little bit and entered a couple of contests. You know, uh, the Mambo Scholastics in, in uh, Porthcawl, I think every grommet of my age had been in that contest at some point. Um, my dad sort of, you know, never pushed me into into the competing. It was something I sort of naturally wanted to do. There weren't that many contests even, so yeah. there were a few and far between. And um, I did very well sort of the first proper year I competed. And I'm not exactly sure how I got picked up by Quicksilver. It was um, a little bit of a fluke, I think, at the time. Um, they were obviously, it was just at the start of the early 90s where surfing was starting to boom and yeah. big brands were looking for kids here and everywhere and probably off the back of my dad's reputation and right. surfing a lot myself, you know, I, I, I had a phone call, so. You mentioned, you know, you said your, your dad's reputation. How, how aware were you at the, at the time of sort of starting to compete that, uh, you know, that there were people out there going, oh, that's PJ's son? Um, and did it matter? I don't think it did. I didn't feel any pressure from it. Um, I've never felt any pressure of having, having to follow in footsteps or um, achieve what he did or, you know, not that I've come anywhere close really. But I don't feel, I know some people, yeah. you know, in other sports hate the fact that they're under the shadow of their dad. But no, I think it, I think it, was, a, it was a good thing, you know, it opened doors for me. And do you think some of that is down to the fact that um, your dad 
never pushed you. Yeah, he was. Said, you know, he look, was. When I was your age, I did it this way. Or yeah, like no, he was never pushy. He could have been a bit pushier, possibly. Yeah. But um, you know, that's obviously later on in life. You you know think, oh, maybe you should have done this, maybe you should have done that. But uh, you know, he was very competitive himself in his own world, and that obviously rubbed off because we're competitive when we surf. Yeah. Even now, you know, it's so it's always a competition. To, to the extent to which, um, I suppose in modern sports science, there's much debate about whether such a thing exists, but to the extent to which it does exist, I would say you're a surfer with a high level of natural ability um, in, in surfing. And um, I, I'm just wondering if you've ever thought about what would sort of, how the world might have been a different place or your career might have been a different place if you had been like kind of hotboxed in that, in, in that way, you know, if your yeah. dad had decided to be that that guy up to his knees in the water in all your heat, filming all your heats yeah well probably fortunately because we had the shop he was rarely at contests yeah you know it was only the really really early ones in fact he could probably I could probably count on one hand the amount of contests he's ever been at that I've been in really? it's like yeah it's, would you have liked him to be at more um, I would have probably felt more pressure if he had been there yeah. But then also he would have probably taken a little bit of the nervous energy away from me. Yeah. So again, you know, later later on, it's it's a big what if, but uh, probably felt more pressure him not being there, really? and then going there on my own and having to do it myself. Yeah. Um, you know, when you've got sort of say greats, but you know, sporting people have got their own entourages of people that yeah. have often done things and are there to. Yeah coaches or whatever you want to call them mentors whatever you know I can see that that can take and deflect football teams with managers and you know they're there to just take all that pressure off so mm. I might have done a bit better but it might have been worse having him screaming at me in the water's edge <laughs> like why did you take that way you know so yeah no I'm glad I've done what I've done on my own yeah. you know and, and sort of completely on my own Mm. Um, but yeah, he's probably, I think he's probably only even watched me twice ever in a competition. Wow. And one of those, I would have been 13. And then I, in fact, you know, possibly that is probably, probably it might even even only be the once. It's, it's yeah. like really few, yeah. you know. Amazing. And that, um, that, that at a young age at 13, you get picked up by Quick. You, like, obviously Quicksilver is renowned to be that sort of, it's, it's a family. Mm. And to be allowed into that family is quite yeah. a, a special thing. So obviously there was a few people that, like, obviously some real surfing royalty that you would have mm. met along the way. Yeah. Who, like, who was that? It was, it was brilliant. It was like, you know, my first, um, well, just before it sort of all kicked off and I started going away to events and stuff, the, um, my package would turn up and there would be thousands of pounds worth of clothes. Yeah. You know, two or three times a year I'd have... My first box, I remember I had like 15 pairs of board shorts, like 30 t-shirts. It was just endless, you mm. know, it was endless. And then um, the, that winter we went to the went to the Canaries. In fact, that's probably the second concert my dad saw me in because uh, I was too young to travel on my own. Oh, yeah. And um, Pierre Agnes was the team manager at the time or head of hardware or whatever. And we, it was the quick pro-am at San Juan. So that was, you know, there was those guys and the Harry Hodges and the owners. And, yeah, there was a lot of people involved at a time where the sport was absolutely starting to skyrocket with surfing being, like, the coolest thing in the world. And because it was pre-internet, those brands were thriving. Mm. That's amazing. That is amazing. So you, um, 
you talk about then going to these these trips. Obviously, you're really young. You, your dad came with you on some of these trips, obviously to chaperone you. Yeah. But then, obviously, you were with the. This is before as well, before the quick training camps actually went on. Yeah. You was... did have you like you actually had you were part of the Quicksilver Gromit team. Yeah, well, there wasn't really a Gromit team as such. There was a load of us that were all sponsored. There was Gabe Davis, uh, myself. There was obviously Spencer. I sort of fell slightly between age groups of uh, of like all the kids' teams. So, sort of Gabe and myself, we were sort of on the quick team, but we were on our own kind of thing because all the other boys were a little bit older. Mm. Um, you know the. Uh, yeah, we were. I was thrown in at the deep end. So we basically we went to Lanzarote for the quick pro am. Uh, we turned up at the beach in the morning. Uh, you know, Russell was there. Spence, uh, all the top French boys, Spanish boys. Uh, Pierre was there, famous. You know, he's not with us anymore. Um, Pierre Agnes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was like ten foot San Juan, maybe bigger. Dad was like, "Oh my God, that is macking in." And Pierre was like, oh, it's okay, James, you know, come come with me, like, put his arm around me. Yeah. And, like, you know, I was 13 years old, I was there in my, you know, star trunks. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just, like, going, oh, my God, I'm going to die. So Dad was like, oh, I don't think you should go in, and because it was proper, proper waves. So um, Pierre was like, oh, no, you can paddle out here and sit there. So Dad was like, right, I'm going to put my wetsuit on, I'll sit in the channel. Because I was like, no, i got to go in, you know, i got to yeah. go in. It's like, this is the first time Quicksilver have seen me. Mm. I can't not go in, you know? So we paddled out and it was, it was, it was like 10, 12 foot slow motion, just peeling in. <laughs> and how old were you at this point? I was 13, yeah. Wow. And um, I was like, right, all I've got to do, I've got to get a wave. I was just thinking, I've got to, I've got to have one. I can't paddle out. It was an open men's contest. There was no junior event. This was quick pro-am, open. There was, that was it. So wrestling, obviously being a bit older, it was their first sort of season doing European qualifiers. And uh, I had two waves in my heat. And I was absolutely stoked. I had two set waves. And I just, I think I probably just chased for the shoulder. <laughs> the channel. But I'm sure I did a few half turns. <laughs> and uh, I survived. And I came in. And I came forth. And I was like, they were all hooting. And they were chuffed. And I was like, I'm glad that's over. Right, come on, let's go. And the respect but, was uh, in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was probably a the biggest stepping stone of my contest sort of career as such, if you want to call mm. it a career. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed being in there. I didn't enjoy the waves because I was so young. I was shit myself. And, uh, but I did want more, you know, mm. it's like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that whole thing. Being out of your comfort zone as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time I'd ever been, oh, yeah. as far as I can remember, you know, growing up surfing my dad, he'd always, wherever we go, if the waves were big, He'd always just say to me, "Don't worry. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to drown." Mm. And that, that was that was it. Like, you know, he never was like, "Oh, it's too dangerous" or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It would just be, we'd always go in regardless. You know, so. The, the, I think Quick was one of the sort of companies that really, really rendered somebody like fully, fully sponsored in the way that they yeah. would look. You know, and and and, and I suppose uh, you know even down to the to the towel level and I have a memory of seeing you in Langland you know getting changed after your heat and not that I was like sitting staring at you as you changed after you but I remember you pulled out a quick towel you know and you were getting changed you had the, and I was like 
They've even given him a towel. <laughs> and then I also remember it was it was a really intimidating sight because it was kind of like, I remember, oh, that towel, Kelly Slater's got that towel. You know, it's like, I think I've still got towel. that towel. That towel is, <laughs> yeah. Well, that towel's from like the quick 110 to 40 days. Yeah. You know, it's got that sort of artwork yeah. on it from yeah, like that kind right. of era of quick. Yeah. You know, I think that the cue stick surfboards followed not long after it. And uh, it did mean there was a kind of like an aura. It's like, oh, James yeah. Jones in this heat now. Like, oh. And I... I Part of being part of Quicksilver for me and, and even now is that, and the same in all professional sport, amateur sport, whatever, I think, you know, half the time you've beaten them before you've even got in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, nowadays there's a lot of this going on behind the scenes with competition surfing, but I wanted to look the part as well. Yeah. You know, I, I felt it was really important. You know, I made sure my boards were clean, stickers are on, you know, and I remember, you know, probably feeling exactly the same thing that first mambo contest russell was in it and it was the first time i'd ever met russell and i was like oh my god he looks amazing you know mm. he, he, he yeah, might have only had he might have had a wooden leg but you know he looked amazing <laughs> like i was like oh my god I, and i can remember even now that mentally he'd, he'd beaten me already i hadn't even yeah. got in the water yeah mm. so i think you know especially when you're young that's really important and then in the 90s, early, early 90s, you were sort of getting yourself involved in a real sort of high ability, like peer group, obviously you mentioned Russell there, Russell Winter, you got the Gabe Davis, Matt Barrow, Ben Baird, but you were in like the, when the British Nationals back in the day would be sponsored by the Sun newspaper. Yeah. And uh, you were in the cadets in, in, in that particular year. How did you get on that? Yeah, that was, um, that was the first probably big British event. And it, I don't think we've had one um, I don't think we've had one since really with the, that kind of funding and support at an amateur level certainly uh, you know there was the big stand on the beach there was all the page three girls were there yeah. it was fantastic I was 15 there was tits everywhere it was amazing <laughs> uh, but you know also and again I'd gone down to the contest I wasn't you know dad was because of the shop wasn't there and he always used to say to me if you want to beat the Cornish boys you've got to surf tight and really well don't you know don't give them the judges any excuse why you can't you know you shouldn't win or because there was always that oh, Cornish contest contest in Fistral Cornish judges Cornish boys get the nod so I was like and I was really focused the waves were pumping and uh, it was at Fistral it was like four or five for offshore sunny and I remember just finding it quite straightforward you know I didn't feel any pressure I'd entered the under 18s as a bit of a oh well I'm there I might as well mm. um, I won the under 16s and I got all the way to the final for the under 18s which was brilliant and then obviously I came up against Russell Gabe and I think it was Matt Barrow possibly and it was probably my only opportunity to ever have actually won the British juniors in you know decent surf surf that suited me um I still couldn't beat him. Bloody wrestle winter. <laughs> just too good. It's just too good. But even though that you didn't beat him then, you, you're like, your, your yeah. competitive edge, you did actually go from strength to strength and you did end up beating some really solid names and like in one particular pro junior, you beat Taj Burrow. Yeah, that was, um, again, all around the same sort of period. I was going to France in the summer uh, with friends and family Oh, so, you know, friends of family. Uh, my uncle's sleeping here, there and everywhere, camping with the boys or whatever. 
Um, you know, the Quicksilver helped me out a bit. They used to give me a little bit of money to pay for fairies or whatever. And um, yeah, I was in the Quicksilver Pro Junior and it was a bit of an eye-opener because everyone was there. Danny Wills, Nathan Webster, Taj Burrow, Bo Young. Before he started riding longboards, there was all the South Africans. It was like, it was the first sort of few years of pro juniors really there was only a handful of around the world mickey pecan all of you know sort of like there's probably like a load Capitan, more isn't it yeah. yeah and they'd have that big billboard advertising it on the yeah it was amazing piece. and i think the first year it was held was the year prior and i was like oh i'd love to go in there and then obviously the boys um were like come down there to the contest and it was just brilliant the waves were pumping it was like three to four foot it's the best heat i've ever surfed ever i didn't do one maneuver um, I just had this l brilliant memory of having had like three complete barrels all the way through on my fourth coming out and having to claim and I was devastated because I claimed I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm too cool to claim I'm not claiming but on the fourth when I came out and I was just like oh I put my hands up and uh, I just remember walking up the beach beaming because I was like oh my god that was incredible regardless of the contests they were probably the best four waves I've ever had in my life and were probably up there in the top few now, you know. Mm. And um, I just remember the commentator going, oh, in, um, in fourth place, of some guy. In third place from Spain, so-and-so. In second place from Australia, Taj Burrow. And all oh. the boys, <laughs> all the boys bouncing in the, in the stand, you know, the quick team and everyone. And then and they went, and in first place from... Um, Wales <laughs> and I was just like yes <laughs> and then the following day it was one foot and I got beaten by Nathan Webster <laughs> oh, that, must but, have, that uh, must have been an incredible feeling it was, it was brilliant, yeah because yeah. it was just that whole summer was just fantastic because we were hanging out down in Hossiger and you know going went to the quick factory and they just load you up with whatever you wanted and paddle off down to some bank somewhere and you'd see one of the boys that worked in the factory or you know they were because you had the stickers on your board everywhere so you went team stickers were they team so? stickers yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was yeah, just a special like, one that wasn't yeah nobody else yeah. nobody else had no it was just it was it was really cool and uh, you know that um the end of that summer i was fortunate enough to surf mandaka then as well pumping it was uh yes yeah, it was good good few years that was before i had to sort of mm knuckle down and work <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there's a photo somewhere of a, a, by a famous photographer called Thierry, Thierry Organoff yeah we um, I told my dad and every probably every human that I met about the waves that I'd had in this heat and everyone was like yeah right whatever James <laughs> and then a couple of months later we had a brochure from Quicksilver that came through and it was actually like um, a programme about the contest and other stuff in France it was a weird like a newsletter thing and uh, there was a big full page, and I was flicking through, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's me!" And that's it. That's it. So it, I got the actual, you know, the, the photo. Immortalized so, forever. Yeah, I was, and I was, yeah, I was stoked. And you're right; they were the sort of developing years of the concept of pro junior, mm. um, you know. And I think it was quite a. They were really prestigious contests, weren't they? And I think yeah, that Cabriton yeah. Pro Junior was yeah. pretty much like the worldwide prototype yeah, it was, for they, Pro Juniors, wasn't it? Yeah, they'd flown in from everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't just the quick Pro Junior. Yeah. There's a guy from Spain, two from Portugal, and 12 from France, yeah. and me and Mark Richards, possibly. One of the boys from UK, he's a bit younger than me, but and all of a sudden, it was like 
everyone went to that contest. And, and they sort of got the idea then, that one was kind of tied to the Hossegus CT, or I suppose the Hossegus CT was was a bit after it, and it was always a Ripcoil yeah. one. Then there was the Buret CT, which was a Quicksilver one, just yeah. after that. But then the first one to actually fully get tied to a CT mm. was the Lacanau one there, the Lacanau Pro Junior. Yeah, that was the following the year. Following year. Think, yeah. And... Um, and and if you entered the Lacano Pro Junior, you know you had a band, and you know you could go and sit in the contest area yeah. where all the pros would be, and that. Yeah. And 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 I remember seeing you there myself because uh, Chris Sage and I had gone to to do that contest of the, the one year when you and Sam Lamoroy both went mm. deep, deep, deep into the contest, and you know Taj Burrow was in that one, and Kieran Perro and a few others, and you went real deep into that one didn't you yeah and it, it was really well, giant yeah. surf and really hard work yeah, massive power it was pumping thank god for Slangarneth training isn't it mm-hmm, it was yeah, uh, yeah and I'd actually that summer I'd gone down with Neil Perot who made you know South right. Africa oh and Kevin season. yes because Kevin yeah because Kevin Perot yeah. got seeded to the next round by accident because they thought he was he, Kieran, Kieran Perot <laughs> I don't remember it well and we were all like no he's Kevin Perot <laughs> yeah and he's from Durban that was yeah, that was yeah. It, yeah. and um yeah, again, I, you know, the waves were pumping. All the boys were surfing on the reform on the inside. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not surfing the reform. I'm going out the back. Yeah. And uh, it was. It was like eight to ten foot stormy, wasn't it? It was yeah. ugly. And um, I just went out the back and just took off on whatever I could catch, pretty much. And again, I sort of bottom turned, did a turn and kick out because I didn't want to get caught in, in the inside. And they were my scores were huge. And I was like... This is this is easy. I've only got to take off, do a turn, kick out. It's like seven, or you know, because I was on mm. the set waves out the back, yeah. and uh, I actually remember going. I, I went for a floater on one, and I, I and I got smashed. But I was like, the whole world's watching. I'm the only one out there. I need, I can elevate myself here, you mm-hmm. know. So, and I got through like round after round after round, and I got all the way to the final, and I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm in the final. I can't even remember who I was against. They've actually got the, the draw sheet somewhere with all the names on it. And, uh, As I have I, and I can tell you. Oh, is it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, the the uh, contest was won by, uh, do you remember who won it? No. It was won by Francoise here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I remember this, seeing it, uh, the surf dropped to like two to three foot little peaks. And Francoise here's prize for winning the contest was a wild card. Oh, was and that? He he had to surf against one Robert Kelly Slater. Oh no way! In, in the in the Pro. Because <laughs> you guys, because I was living down there in the in, in yeah. the Moonchik with my French mate Julian, oh, no and you uh, you guys left and you went home, and I and, and I I was left just me and the French cons again I, once again because I'd been with these French kids for months, and I was like, oh, the, the Welsh boys are here at last. Don't have to speak French anymore. Yes, and then <laughs> uh, and then you were gone, and I was just sitting on the beach watching watching, thinking oh. like this guy was in the same event as us like yesterday. Oh, and I now know. he's get he was comboed, and this was I think. This oh, was I would be, I, I'd be, love to have been comboed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was still three wave scores yeah. as well. So yeah. I think he was comboed, as in like his three waves were going to like beat Slate as well. Yeah, but, all I remember was getting out in the final, and it was pumping again. Yeah. And I was, and I'd had a couple of waves, and I needed a ridiculously small score, like a naught point five or a one, to win, and. You know what it's like when the swell's massive and there's lots of water moving. I was li- I was literally lost at sea and I was paddling and paddling. I couldn't I couldn't get a wave, and I didn't. And I came third. And it was I mean, literally all I had to do was take off mm. and catch a wave in, mm. and I would have won the whole thing. Mm. 
and it was the first time I um I ever won money. There was prize money, and I just remember being up on the um big with the, all the hoardings, you know, the pro event and everyone. And Guts and all the boys shouting away to all the pies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah was, uh, Guts was there because there was a longboard pro right, yeah. as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and, uh, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I can't even remember that there was um, a place to go on to the wild card, but, oh, that's a bummer, that is. Lamoroy <laughs> <laughs> says all the same things. <laughs> that's a bummer. And uh, you, you also then, you know, through, through some of the later quick days, got to see some of the... the that that quick young guns crew when they were arriving yeah. on the scene as well, didn't you? Yeah, Jeremy Flores when he was probably 10, 11 years old was better than everybody I'd ever seen, you know, yeah. in France. We were surfing VVF and just absolutely incredible and a whole host of other, you know, little kids with him as well. You know, I see, you know, Mickey Picon, they were all the kids around our age that were all there. Everyone was sponsored by Quicksilver. Yeah. They were a big family in that sense, you know, and uh, the standard was just incredible. Mm. It was incredible. Listeners to the earlier episodes of Crest will, of course, remember that we've made a good case for the fact that Jeremy Flores's Pipe Masters win is only down to the fact that he learned how to win in club situations against Harry Cromwell. Because mm. uh, Harry was part of that. Yeah, club as well, wasn't he? yeah, a little bit younger Harry was, but yeah. I think it was Jeremy watching my heat against Taj to be honest. <laughs> 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 and then um, 21 yeah um, and you've done all these things and then um, as far as the contest jersey goes you hung it up yeah I just I, I did a load of contests and making the step from junior to open is quite well in our days was a big thing yeah you know I, I used to it, it was it was really hard and I'd surfed you know not in like, the odd British here and there and I started to lose the love for it a little bit. Yeah. I was just like, oh, sitting in a car all day, going for 20 minutes, it's, it's tides wrong, the waves are shit. It was good if I'd been in heat number one, not heat yeah. seven or whatever. And I was just like, oh, do you know, like, you know, you can chase like a dream. It wasn't, it was never a dream. I was just doing it because I enjoyed doing it, you know. Yeah. And um, so you're still surfing. All yeah, time, I'm still yeah. surfing all the time. It wasn't like I'd, I'd stopped and I was just like, oh, do you know, I'm going to work and bought a house and I don't want to do this for 10 or 15 years and actually be back to square one. Mm. You know, so I sort of, I, I was working in the shop and surfing all the time, you know, God, you know, dad phones me even now. Oh, it's James pumping, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, dad, he's 70 years old, man, have a chill. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, I remember um, rooming with you in Mimizan. Do you remember that? Yeah, the, 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 that was the a good Europeans and um, junior Europeans. And, yeah. And I remember you saying to me in in uh, on that trip that you were going out. You had a girlfriend who was older than you. Yeah. Um, she, she was like ten yeah, years old or something. Yeah, she was seven like that. years older than me. Seven years, yeah. is it? Yeah. And. I remember you pretty. You, you were really matter of fact. You know, you just kind of said like, I think you know, because I think this was October or September, October, mm. and you were kind of like, you did pretty much say state it as an intention. You were like, you know, she's older than me. I like it. You know, I like I like life this way. Yeah. I'm settling down. I'm gonna grow up now. You've said. Yeah, it was. House, yeah, you know, it's yeah. I don't regret anything. Obviously, we're not together anymore, and I'm much happier now than I was. <laughs> <laughs> But, you did uh, grow up then, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know. It was just... I think I had opportunity. Um, 
things started to change then as well, industry-wise, teams. I was a little bit older for all the quick junior, you know, like the the Stokesies and all that lot, and mm. uh, Mark Richards and all that lot. They were fully into that whole team. That's Newquay's Mark Richards now, yeah. Newcastle, Australia. Yeah, <laughs> the, you know, they were fully into that team. They started <coughs> doing the camps in the Canaries, so I was a little bit older. So I was out of the junior thing anyway. Um, and I was just like, oh, don't, don't need it, you know? Mm. Like, I, I still went in, you know, I'd enter the Welsh. The Europeans was my, like, I want to be in the Europeans. I want to go away with the boys, you know? And that was it. Like, my first trip away mm. as, a, as a team was to the British Nationals up in Scotland with this man. 93? Was it 92? The year, did you uh, Peter I, beat Russell Winter and... No, uh, Vaughan, Vaughan, no, not Europeans, British nationals. Oh, the British, so we went, Fraser, but... And we went up as a Welsh team, yes. yeah. And I was like, Simon Tucker, there was you, Paul Lovell, Linda, Chris Chip. Chris remember Chip. Remember him dancing as a woman? Yes. Throwing a brick through your window to wake you up to go for a surf or something, remember? <laughs> Singing, Donald, where's your trousers? Oh, <laughs> it was like the most brilliant trip. And I was like, I want Oh, and to... Eugene as well. Was Eugene? Oh, Eugene, actually? yeah, he'd gone up, he basked Palmer. in Eugene me with his trumpet. That's and, right. Yeah. 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 And uh, it was just like, oh, I want more of this. So, you know, I always wanted to enter the Welsh to get into the, Euro- to get into the Welsh team to go to the Europeans. That was kind of, hmm. for a long time, that was it. And I think I did a couple of Euros till about 21, 22. Island, Bandoran, we went to Bandoran, yeah, didn't we? Did. Yeah. Um, and then it was pretty much after that, and I was like, oh, I've got a tits full of just entering any then, you know. So then obviously the, the time had gone on, and it was the thoughts of returning to maybe an in inverted commas, getting a responsible job. And yeah. uh, you ended up getting a job on the road. Yeah, just out the blue. We were in the, you know, I'd wanted a, I wanted a reps job, because obviously having the shop, all these reps were coming in on nice cars and, mm. you know, expense accounts and everything in the good old days where it was busy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get any, you know, I phoned all the people that we knew, all the distributors and companies, couldn't get a job with anyone. And then out of the blue, I had a phone call uh, from Animal saying, do you want a job? And I was like, well, yeah, let's <laughs> like, what's it do? So um, there was a meeting apparently down in, uh, in the head office down in Wareham in Dorset, where Ian Parker, the boss, said, oh, we want to employ a junior rep. Does anybody know any, uh, anyone? And Timo Mullen, the professional windsurfer, and Rob Jones, who's done the rounds in the industry, he was, they were both at either ends of the table, and they both said my name at the same time. Mm. And Ian Parker was just like, give him a ring and uh, offer him a job. So I didn't even have to have an interview. It was literally, that was it. So I think two or three weeks later, I went down there, they handed me a keys to a car, mobile phone and a list of accounts, and some samples and went off you go and I was that. Where was your area? Was it the whole of the UK? Or? I basically had all the dormant accounts. So I did Wales, uh, the Midlands, the Scilly Isles. So I used to drive to Newquay for a week and fly out, you know, it was just a stupid Lake District up to Northumberland. But it was just old mountain bike accounts, you know, some surf shops, outdoor shops, and it was literally just to have a face of someone going around, walking in, rather than picking up a phone and speaking to people, just the personal touch. So I just, I, I did that for a couple of years then. It was oh. good. And then I went on to become an agent then after that. And who was that with? Who were you agent for? Well, I was doing a lot of, um, you know, hotel shows and stuff as 
a Zoodoo rep in and um, setting up in a room and then all the customers coming to see you. And uh, I was doing it with Jeremy Edwards and Barry Dunning, who were, funny enough, the guys who brought Quicksilver to the UK back in the late 70s, I think, or early 80s. And um, they did you know, simple shoes, dragon glasses, Ugg boots, um, Teva sandals, and they said, oh, why don't you be an agent for us? So I quit Animal and went and worked for them. And that's how I sort of started off then and picked up then working for Steve Daniels then pretty much straight away with XL wetsuits. So the Quicksilver sponsorship carried on for a good, probably till I was about 24, 25, to a point where I was, you know, selling XL wetsuits when people go, well, what do you wear then? I go, well, I wear a Quicksilver wetsuit because I'm, I'm sponsored. <laughs> so so uh, it... You know, Steve didn't mind and the boys at Quick didn't mind, so it worked really well uh, for a long time. It's quite a dispensation then, they made there, though, wasn't it? Yeah, so then it was just like, look, I've got to do the right thing, yeah? So, um... You were obviously part of the Quicksilver family then for the few For a long that, time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was always a little bit, not miffed, but I was always a bit like, oh, because when I phoned them to say, look, I'm working for Steve Daniels, they knew that anyway. I said, but I've really got to be seen to be wearing XL wetsuits, or at least, you know, stuff I'm selling and they were like oh well uh, I don't see why we can't continue sponsoring you with clothing right so I was like oh fucking epic because mm. you know bro so um, and it was at the time where Greg had just started being sponsored by Quicksilver so he had a like a clothing only deal so I was like oh cool but it never it never materialised into anything for me which I was always a little bit bitter about mm. <laughs> Because I'm way better than Greg. <laughs> and me. <laughs> I can't make that clear. <laughs> We've got to, yeah. Greg will be having a chance. I was going to say, he's got a right to reply. He's got a right to reply. <laughs> so you've got, you're getting older then, James, and um, you're becoming bored of like just being like a, a really good free surfer. Does that sort of, uh, sort of competition sort of thing never leave you? You wanted to start winning again? Yeah, a little bit. I, I, you know, competitive nature. We all are. We all paddle out for free surf. We want to be the best in the water. I still do it now, even with Patrick and whoever. And obviously, I'm not anymore. But it's still, you know, I can still compete with them. And it's like I had this drive then. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm surfing really well. I'm, you know, I'm fitter than I was. And right now is the chance to sort of make my comeback. You know, and. Uh, and I did, I think it was 2006 then I entered the Welsh, I can't remember. Yeah. Possibly the year before, I can't remember the dates very well. And um, I just had like total self-belief. And, you know, you talk, you know, people say about being in the zone and I just felt that, well, I've got this. If I enter it, everyone's got to beat me. I haven't got to try and beat them. Mm. And uh, it just went like that for the whole weekend, you know. I surfed loads and... Probably the time of year helped as well because it was cancelled in the spring because it was dead flat. And they held it in the end of September or October. And, of course, it was the water's warm, summer suits, no boots. I was in a short arm, long leg suit, so, you know, you're not as tired paddling. And it just, yeah, it just went really well and got the monkey off my back because up until that time, everyone said, you know, you and Vaughn, you're the best two surfers. Never to have won the Welsh and listen to Harry's podcast, you know, there's like, yeah. oh, poor Harry, he'll win it one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and I remember, I remember just turning to Vaughn and saying, 
you are now officially the best singer. <laughs> All on your own, never to have won the Welsh. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I know, you beat me three times, so that's never going to happen again. <laughs> but that was the year that you won the seniors as well as the Open. Yeah, yeah, senior, I did the double. That was it then. Yeah, the I think Thomas fact-checked this. Yeah, it's the first time anyone's ever won it, I think. Yeah, Is nobody's that... ever done it since. Yeah, or, and I remember Vaughny telling me that because he knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and there was a few, again, because the, it sort of fell into place not by any normal formula. It's just that because the whole weekend was squeezed into two days, they'd changed the final to the seniors to the Sunday morning. So it's quite funny, actually, poor old Greg. And um, we get to the, the beach and, you know, I'm always there. I'm never late for anything. I'm always on time or early. I, ne- I won't be late for any then and like check-in was 8 o'clock and I'll be there early so I was out well, I slept in the car or whatever I was there at 7 you know up waiting just in case because things are subject to change mm. so we all check in at 8 o'clock and they turn around and go right well um, we'll, run the, uh, we'll run the senior final first and it was high tide and get that out of the way and I, there was you know it was like the left off the rocks and I was like oh brilliant where's Greg? So, uh, oh, well, then they were literally like, well, we can't just wait for everyone to, you know, check in was eight o'clock, blah, blah, blah. And um, Greg missed the senior final because he was watching cartoons in the, in, his, in the B&B, expecting that he was on, wasn't in till the end of the day. But they told us the day before, you know, subjects changed, so. Round minus one. Right. It, you know, I leave that still, to explain at some point. Yeah. I, uh, for me, though, to get that final out of the way, and I went in and I nailed it. And, I, you know, they didn't give the results to the end of the day, but I knew I'd nailed it because I was in that frame of mind all weekend. I only had the Open to worry about yeah. or focus on. So I'm not thinking, oh, I've got the senior final, then the Open final. So, you know, Vaughny did it harder because the following year he, he did those finals back to back. So, you know, I had a bit of a sort of meal ticket, really, because they were separated and I meant I could come out the final had a couple of hours off before then going into the semis and the open of the mm. you know for the rest of the day so I did get a bit of a break and it's you know but still but even so yeah there's so still a still lot of surfing good. to be done in yeah. that, that final day my fact checking also um has you as in in shortboarding because I, I didn't I didn't have enough time to go through all the longboarding, but I can just, I can think of duos where it might have happened in longboarding the only father and son combo to both win the Open at the Welsh. Um, yeah. I'm not... Yeah, definitely the Welsh. Yeah. There's not many father and sons that have won possibly British titles or any national title. Oh, gosh, you sent me back to my... Uh, I know. To, to my records Because we... No, there's... Yeah, so it was, you know, it was amazing to yeah. have won, like, you yeah. know, my dad's won it, now I've won it. Excellent. And you've both got the same number of wins in the Welsh. Yeah. Your dad's got eight. Yeah. You've got eight, but... Yours are across a couple I'll of different divisions. I'll win a few divisions. more though, I reckon. Because <laughs> <Yeah, you're laughs> yours are across a couple of different divisions, aren't yeah. His are all open. Oh, his are all open, yeah. Mine, you know, I, I, I'm, unfortunately... Can you remember I broke... what they, where, they, where they come from? What categories? Under 14. Right. Under 16. Yeah. I never won the juniors because I broke my collarbone right. the week before the Welsh. Right. Um, Do you know who won that year? I think it was maybe Simon Tucker or someone like that from Langland. All right. Okay. There's a there's a real yeah there's someone like that it was and um, would be ninety five wouldn't it 
Because your last ever junior final was my first ever junior final. Really? We were in the water together. Yeah, you so said we it to surfed together. Blue, yeah. We surfed together a lot though, we? Toxic trophy, and you won it. It was your last junior yeah. heat, and you paddled up to it at the start of the final, and you, you were like, this is my last ever junior final, my last ever junior contest. And I was like, oh, it's my first. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was I was lucky when I was young, though, as in competing. You know, I, I'd i won, like, I won the Welsh, I won the British, all the British schools, yeah. uh, Welsh schools. There was a period where they were all the events, and I'd, I think one year I'd won. Hmm. I had all of them. I had the under-16s, the under-18s in the Welsh schools, yeah. British schools. In fact, I was in Respe. Yeah, I and, um, Good surfing. British nationals and the Welsh nationals. I held all of the... And, for every single event in my age category, I'd won them all. So To finish out those age categories then, so we've got under-14s, under-16s open, and then we've got seniors, seniors won and masters. masters. So if I hadn't missed the juniors... I would have won every division apart from the longboard and, and the ladies. And then there was over four. Nowadays, <laughs> nowadays you can you can you can I can be done, can I? <laughs> um, it is the highlight of your surfing career. I know you talked about beating Taj. Um, is it your um, is it is it event wins um, or is it performing well? Because another standout heat that you've surfed um, was in the World Masters in the Azores in twenty eighteen, and you got Europeans. Uh, Oh, is it the Europeans? Europeans, right? yeah. Oh, in the Azores, right? Okay. Yeah, it's in the Azores, yeah. Um, and the, okay, of course, the World Masters was a year or two later in the Azores, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, and you got, um, you were against Joanne Duru. Joanne Duru, yeah, and all the, the top French team. There was, it, I refer to it a lot because when I speak to people like Patrick or whoever about coaching and contests, and it's the, um, the one thing that, you know, surfing is simple. It's like when I beat Taj, it, you know, I didn't do a manoeuvre, I went straight. And I had a heat in the Azores. Um, it was at the end of the day, everyone was at the beach. The whole French boys were there. Flores's dad was there. You know, there was, everyone was sort of watching and it was the final heat. There's a Spanish, I was against a French guy, a Spanish guy, I can't even remember what the Oh, so this isn't 2018 then, is it? It's a bit no, this is... Because uh, the World Masters was 2018 in the Azores. 20... So 2016 yeah it would have been about right for the Azores, yeah yeah and um again I just had a, I had a couple of waves and I was feeling really good and I a set came in I took off bottom turn I did three turns and I was like that was a quality wave and I'm paddling back out going oh it's about a six so you know and uh, over the time I said oh so if we're in red 8.83 and I was like fucking hell I can win this mm. as in mm. event not even heat you know because yeah. I was like again it's surfed simple, it's clean and tight, that's all you've got to do. And I won the heat and Karen Walton came over at the end with a printout of like best, highest scores and there's Ron Deroux's name's below mine. <laughs> that's my claim to fame. Oh, but, wow. uh, and it was, you know, I refer to that because it was a, a really good heat I surfed, but not for being like flary and amazing, just for surfing. Solid surfing, Solid yeah. surfing and it's, you know, that that's yeah. so misled and like coaching and other stuff yeah. nowadays, you know, so. Absolutely right. That's right back to what we said in our, uh, uh, against the, the, the base sandbed earlier, you know, mm. the, 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 the vertical off the yeah. top. Yeah. Yeah. My and, dad. And the, the Christmas tree. Yeah. The only, the only coaching I ever had from my old man was logos out, logos in. Oh, and, right. And, what do you mean by that then? And he would just say, you know, come off the bottom, make sure if you do a proper bottom turn, you can go up the wave. So, 
And what's that got to do with logos? Because I'm sponsored. Oh, so the logo is made visible on your board yeah. as you turn. Yeah, logos out, logos in. So uh. you wanted to see my logos and my board going vertically up and vertically down. Right, logos So he'd always logos say in. logos out, logos in. That was all he'd say to me. That's and he'd give me a, a teaspoon. Yeah, teaspoon full of honey as well. But it <laughs> is. <laughs> But oh, I love um, it. so that was it, and I say that to the guys now. It's like no one does prop and bottom turns anymore. They just mm. fly down the line and try and do a. Well, they don't try. Some of them do them very, very well. But um, there's a lot to be said for those basics, and yeah. you know, that's what wins. Mm. And then your competitive edge, obviously, was still with you forever, but you changed tack just a little bit, um, and sort of dipped into the fitness, the Ironman. Yeah. Well, I'd always, I'd always trained. I say I always trained. That is a complete lie. I've never really trained ever in my life. <laughs> I'd much rather have a beer. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I used to swim a lot. You know, my dad was a good swimmer, and from when I was seventeen, I used to, I was swimming every morning in the pool in Swansea, and just you can't keep surfing fit by just surfing in this country because of the waves, the weather, and everything else. So. Um, yeah, my dad had a serious accident then, and I'd done some triathlons in the past, and I'd, I was always like, oh, you know, I want to do an Ironman, or, and I'd say, I'll never do it. And, because um, he had a serious accident, and the air ambulance came to came to our rescue, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it for charity. So that was the driving force behind it. Um, and then I did the Ironman, yeah, in 2012, so, yeah. and that was, I never, I, well, I was... During the training, I surfed in the Welsh, and I was remember just surfing all day, feeling like refreshed, even when I come out at the end of the day, because it was nowhere near the amount of training I'd been going through. You know. How long so, has that training regime gone for before an Ironman? Um, I, I did. I trained for the training, so I was in the gym on running machines, just doing cardio, just to get a bit of weight down before I started a proper training plan. And then that was uh, dedicated. I had a coach, um, which structured the training plan so I could peak for it. Wow. Uh, and I was doing probably about twenty four hours a week of training for that. Maybe more, you know, like long bike rides, swimming in the sea, like for miles, going out for four or five hours on my bike, coming home, running to Swansea and back, and here, there, and everywhere. And, as I got fitter, I loved the fitness side of it, and I did become super fit, really. I lost, you know, a bit of weight, a lot of weight, and uh, I enjoyed it, but maintaining that is hard graft, you know. Like, doing it for a purpose was great, and then I did the Ironman um, in Tembe, and uh, I did a really good time. I did 11 hours 54, I finished in the daylight, so... It's a two and a half mile swim, which I did in 54 minutes. I did 112 miles on the bike, which took me about six and a half hours. And then I did a four hour marathon after doing all of the stuff prior on, uh, on a, like a 50% of the marathon is uphill in Tembe as well. Yeah, so I it's, it's um, yeah. And, and I literally finished and was like, oh, sorry, it is. <laughs> <laughs> did you get the Ironman tattoo at the end? Yeah, I've got it on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just was like, I, I was like, I've done this. Everything on the day went really well for me. 
and I did, I ended it the following year and then like halfway through the winter I pulled out because I was just like I'm not going to have that same experience Yeah. I've ticked every box I couldn't have done it any better forget about it move on yeah. you know so that's what I did basically you know then okay so they moved on from there then so you're back in the shop and you're dividing your time now between working there and working with the Welsh Surfing Federation and the surf school yeah I, you, I, I started doing that in 2016 I think it was well what, 2020 we are now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so this is my fourth my fourth year so the summer of 2016 and um you know, I'm massively, I say massively passionate about WSF. Probably not the right thing to say is in passion, but we've all, you know, all three of us sitting here now, we've all benefited from what the WSF have given all the Welsh surfers. You know, like my dad, um, Tucker, Brad, there's endless amount of people you could, you know, mm. car win. I'm gonna Nathan Phillips. There's all sorts. Of you, Greg. You know, Vaughny. There's everyone. Frenchie. You name it. Um, to the kids now today, they don't even realise what has been put in place for them all. Yeah. And you know, there's no funding in surfing. There's no money in surfing, as such. All right, there probably is here, there, and everywhere. But as a general synopsis of surfing as a sport there's no money in it unless you are the elite of the elite you know and that's that it's the same all around the world so the surf school you know that drives or not drives supports Welsh surfing because the profits from it go back into the sport is something that I feel passionate about and I want I want it to be run for the right reasons so I sort of got on board just to make sure everything is driven in the right direction from what I can control, mm. you know, and um, having a shop, we've never had a surf school. We have always completely supported the WSF surf school as our own business. And anyone that comes in, we say, oh yeah, go and book in with WSF, you know, or, you know, Mike Steadman ran it previously. Mm. And it's, um, that's really important. So now I'm running it. I know that it's being run for the right reasons. You know, so money does go back in. It's important to have the Welsh Nationals every year. You know, there is no money apart from people joining their local surf clubs and affiliating to the WSF. And that's, you know, that's, it's important. And it's like a lot of the kids now, they're all work for different surf schools and, you know, which is great. But everyone should you know, push the WSF surf school because the profits from that will make your trip to the Europeans cheaper. Yes. It, it, it'll make, you know, the Welsh better. Um, if there's more money there, we can put on, I say we, as, as a federation of all of us, you know, it's like coaching can improve and it, it's really important. And that's why, you know, I sort of gave in to the pressures from Herbie to... <laughs> well done, absolutely well to, to, done. To help drive it, you know, because it does matter. And that's, mm. Let's talk travel. We love talking travel on Crest. Memorable trips for you then? Memorable trips. Um, I've I, I got a few ones I can think of. I've seen some uh, some images of you surfing in the Mentawis. Yeah, that was fantastic. I've never, in all the years I've surfed everywhere around the world, I've never been to Indo. So, yeah. not even Bali. I still haven't been to Bali as such. But <clears throat> so, a couple of years ago, after getting divorced, um, my girlfriend 
and you know my, my partner Lindsay now she's I was like oh, I want to go to the mental house she's like go go you know it's fine we just had a baby and I was like I can't go it's, it's impossible she's like don't be stupid you go in so I went with the boys and it was just incredible mm. it's, it is everything and more from what I had expectations of watching like you know Sons of Fun and Bunyip Dreaming and all those yeah. like oh, I can't even sick think joy. of the videos Sick Joy oh yeah. macaronis my god yeah. when we got on the boat and the boys took and this is how bad I am with surfing breaks and information is that uh, we got on the boat and um, Guy who's the photographer and guide he's like oh we booked a morning at macaroni so I'm like oh cool didn't even know where macaroni's was didn't even realise it was actually where all those films were right. and when we're chugging down there of course I'd sort of seen it but not really taking it in as yeah. such yeah. Yeah. and then I was like Fucking hell, it's macaronis, oh my god, you know, yeah. it's like Andy Irons and all, oh, just everyone, it's just, it's incredible. And, and where else in the world have you come across great surf? Um, Canaries, been right. fantastic with my dad, you know, when I was a kid we met Jeff Hackman at right. Lobos, he was staying on a boat that well, my that grandfather. Right off, uh, yeah, that was incredible, um, and Darker scored incredibly yeah. well, um, much joy in Morocco? You're talking about... Yeah. Oh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I went to Morocco with uh, the XL boys, funny enough, and Steve Daniels um, took me on a trip and uh, we had Anchor Point just all time. Mm. Amazing. Great for your backhand. Yeah, loved it. I felt like Bobby Martinez at Rincon. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't know. <laughs> and and you, you've been to Hawaii? Yeah, I went to Hawaii a long time ago. Um when I was 24 and had amazing experience there, not with the, the normal Hawaiian stories that you hear right. of, you know, North Shore. I went mid-summer. Um, oh, so you were surfing south side or west yeah, side? South, yeah, all the south shore, so Alamoana Bowls, oh, uh, right, number yeah. twos, Kaiser, Kaiser Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you, just, you told a great story from Kaiser Bowl about bumping into some fella. Yeah, some, was, one of the, some heavy. It was like, the there's... The pecking order, there's no pecking order like Hawaii and pecking order. Right. You know, it's like I paddled out. So I'd had a board made for me by Glen Pang in Town oh, & Country. Oh, Town & Country, right, yeah. So I picked it up. We arrived on the Friday night and I couldn't pick up the board. They were closed until the Monday morning. So I hired a long board and surfed and went and picked this board up. And I was like, oh, I was all excited, you know. You're going to get accepted in the lineup. with one Pasty of them, then, yeah. white skin, you know. It's like I had a bit of a tan because it was midsummer, but I was, you know, not like a Hawaiian tan. Gleaming white boards, fresh, you know, Quicksilver boardies on and everything. And uh, I paddled out to Kaiser Bowl and there's a pack on, you know, sitting out there. And I was like, oh, fuck, this looks a bit heavy. And uh, I sat up on my board and I realised that none of the boys had leashes on. So I paddled in, took my leash off, paddled back out. Because I was like, I want to fit into the scene. You know, I want to know what I'm doing. So a few sets start rolling in. I noticed then I just I recognised a couple of old guys, Buttons was in there and a few of the a few other heavies that were very familiar from dad's stories and pictures, you know, growing up. And uh I couldn't get a wave. And I surfed it three times and I didn't get a wave for the whole day. So I went in, in the morning, lunchtime in the evening, couldn't get a wave. Went in the following day. I was getting the odd wave, but not the waves that were, that I wanted, you know. Yeah. I was getting they were they weren't even the drags, they were like the shit waves. And um, I think it was the third day, I was like, I'm going to get a wave. I'm going to go in and I'm going to call someone off. I'm going to get punched or whatever. i got to get one wave. 
So I literally paddled out. I was like sitting, waiting, waiting. A set came in and I, and I took off, the bottom turned and it's just a big barrel. So you didn't have to do anything, just literally pulled in. And as I came out, there was a big Hawaiian padding up the face and I bottom turned and I like did a really good full rail turn, like covered him in spray and he hooted. And I kicked out. I was like, fuck, man, I've been here for three days. That's the first time I've gone right. He's like, oh, hey, brah, you know. And he said, have you been here? Where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from Wales. Oh, wow. And he was like, chat, a bit chatty. So I was like, icebreaker. I was like, yeah, wicked. Yeah. So we paddled back out. And uh, he's like, oh, have you been here before? And I was like, uh, and I recognised Buttons and a couple of the other guys. And they were in all the time. And I was like, no, I said, but my dad was here in 76. He was in the Smirnoff. Because I knew Buttons had been in it. And these guys were all of a similar elk, you know. And um, he's like, he went, fuck, bro, I was in that contest. So and he's like, she said, oh, what's your name? So I said, James Jones, of course, there's a fine So he's like, oh, cool. And he like, shakes my hand and introduced me to everyone. So um, at the time, I was there on my honeymoon. So he's, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm on my honeymoon and, um, you know, just I've always wanted to come to Hawaii, but I'm too scared to come in the winter. And um, literally surfed it then every single day. And because they all take off and go right and they literally just take off and pull in the left off Kaisers is incredible I just sat inside them every set wave and went left so I had more waves probably in Hawaii than I've had on any surf trip anywhere in the world and then every now and again I'd call them off a right and they you know and, I, and they'd be a bit grunty and I was like oh I'm going home tomorrow or like you know in a week and they were cool they were like totally cool but I'd only always pick one right that I, you know, go on, yeah. you know, I just went left and kept out the way. And he was like, oh, I commented that I didn't have a leash on. And so, yeah, was, it, it, that, was, that was a good trip. That was, is an incredible yeah, story. That was a good trip. And then I paddled out one morning in the dark because it was always heaving and uh, it was pumping. And he's like, oh, James, said, oh, there's waves in the North Shore today. He said, got a sunset, it'll be pumping. So I was like, oh, no. Oh, sunset? I've only got a six, six pintail. It's like... So uh, he said, oh, if anyone gives you any grief, tell them Bob from Kaiser's has sent you, right? So I... Oh, well on, Bob from Kaiser's. What, do, do you know his surname? Might be Bobby Rothman, yeah. Yeah, it could be. So be, yeah. uh, I think it is. But anyway, so I drive, <laughs> drive up to the North Shore. So I park up at sunset. There's no one there because it's middle of the summer. It's like six foot solid, maybe a bit bigger. Wispy, glassy, clean. And there's about four, five, six people in. I surfed all day and uh, with Bob Rothman's permission. Yes. Bob, no one said anything to me apart from uh, Johnny Boy Gomes said gave me a nod. He was in and Randy Rarick and then right at the end of the day it was like school was out and a load of kids paddled out and uh, I'm I'm adamant it was Mason Ho Coco Ho because there was a little girl in a Volcom sticker on her board in a bikini and like the inside bowl at sunset was like six foot solid scary as hell and they were taken off and backdooring it and being spat out like it was straight out of school and there was this little group of kids and they were all like you know the right age and i know that ripping in there with all you know Mm. and they were really cool it was like i i so i had a completely different hawaiian experience i think probably to any surfer on the planet (laughs) unless you actually live in hawaii they were all so friendly and i like i said i had so many waves every day apart from the first few days I was there. And uh, it was just pumping. But, Kai, you know, I'd, I'd say to anyone, if you go to Hawaii, everyone goes on about going in the winter and seeing it crazy and crowded and the big waves. But summer's incredible. Like, the South Shore 
is amazing. You get waves in the North Shore and you haven't got the people. Mm. And mangoes are in season probably as well. well. I don't know. Yeah. I was in Subway. They're, they're wet season. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so James, have you... Have you are you officially retired now? Or you claim to be retired, but is it yeah, official? I think so. Yeah. So what happens if somebody from LBR rings you up now and? Oh no! I, to go into the Wilkinson Sword. No, I uh, I surfed my last heat. I told Greg, I beat him as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I just. I the only thing I'd I'd say I hate the word retirement, but I just can't be bothered really to give up a weekend to go and you know I, I i miss the banter and like everyone hanging out that's the best thing about contests apart from winning yeah just events like that i went down to an oakley contest in newquay the last oh, a couple of years ago there were three years captain of cornwall contest invite only best contest i've ever been put on it we were fed watered goodie bags completely like still competitive but you know you had Luke Dillon was there and they had a few other generations, Lee Bartlett, Russell and everyone and just the get together, Nathan was there. The get together of that was just fantastic and I think if more events like that were done I'd probably enter or if I could get invited to them that would be great. I'd love to do a, um, a World Masters event, it's one thing I've never done or a specific European Masters contest. Um, I think I'd be in with a good shout of doing, doing well. But uh, I'd love to do a World Masters event and have a go at some of my like heroes, you know. Especially mm. now they're all overweight and a bit slower. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so where's the sort of go-to spot at the moment for you? What's I guess it's Langland, is it? Yeah, Dad and I always we it's between here and Langland because if it's if the waves aren't good here or the swell's too big, you know Langland's always good. There's not many places like Langland. It's in, you know, it's. In fact, there's probably very few spots in the world. You know, the whole beach is like a mile in width. You've got seven different waves there, mm-hmm. from left slab to you know Crab Island. So you've got sandbar in the middle. You've got middle of the bay. You've got the point. You've got the reef, the shore break, the trough between the reef. You've got you know the the lefts off the reef. You've got middle of the bay. You've got gas chambers at high tide under the cliffs. There's like there's just so much variety there, mm. and I think that's why it's always been a bit of a competitive. You know, like you've got your little spots like the point in Fourth Court where everyone mm. goes, but it's one wave. Whereas in Langland, you know, you've got the young kids on the inside looking over to middle of the bay where the waves are pumping, and then looking out to the sandbar. So you want to go over where they are. You want to be good enough to surf for those boys, you know? It's mm. not even... Because they... You know, and you pull up and you're all looking at it. It's quite a unique place. If you could have one spot which you were in Langland where you were allowed to surf, that the only spot mm. forever, what would it be? Sand reef. Sand reef every yeah, time. sand reef. Yeah. It's the only wave... Big statement come in. It's the only wave probably apart from like the northeast that really... You know, you've got to be on your game and pushes your level. And no matter how good you think you are and on your game, it changes. It's really heavy. It comes out of deep water. It's shallow. It's, it's 
dad and I surfed it for years. There's, you know, you'll go to Langland. There's, you know, like Langland's always been a bit of a breeding ground for pretty good talent in mm. Welsh surfing. You go to Langland on a day where it's six foot and offshore. You paddle out sand reef. You're out there with you and two or three other boys. That's it. Mm. There'll be sixty people on the lefts. There'll be thirty out crab. Mm. They're all like, oh, you know, it's yeah. and it's you know, Lloyd Cole rips out there. You know, mm. he's like, Lloyd's out there. Guts is out there. My dad will be out there. You know, we miss like Swinnow and those boys. They've all gone mm. to live around the world. But Carwin used to surf it a lot. Um, Derek Hine came out there with Dad, oh, God, a good few years ago, and it was like eight foot, really ugly, and Derek pulled out a four foot three square-tailed single fin board, paddled out, turned on a monster slab, air dropped out of it, bottom turned it and pick off the top. He's like, oh, this is pretty good. So anyone that of Derek's elk that will say, you know, it's a proper wave. It's And we don't get many proper waves in Britain. And we said... Just going back, you talking about the young guns uh, a little, little way back there. Um, a, a lot of the Instagram generation coming through now. We see like your Logan Nichols, Kieran Hughes, Patrick Landon Dark. You know, like mm. those guys are all ripping. Land. What's your what, what's your sort of uh, take on where the modern little grommets are? Well, those yeah. guys aren't even grommets now, but no, they know they're in, they're they're grown up adults. Um, the, oh, the standard. There's always going to be like. A little clutch of top juniors always you know it it is a little bit swings and roundabouts but one year there won't be many and the next year a couple are appear you know those boys to be fair logan and patrick i think if you could morph the two of them we'd have the best ever welsh surfer mm. competitor that you've got because They're machines, aren't they? yeah patrick's incredible you know he's is his air game is fantastic you know, Logan's rail surfing is fantastic. Yeah, he's, Plus, he's a good-looking bastard as well, isn't he? he is, yeah. And, um, and he look, he's good-looking on rail as well. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. so he's, um, yeah, all of them. They, there's, there's, there's less opportunity now, I think, that you know, that than when we were kids. Yeah. Um, you know, those big companies were looking for people to sponsor. Now they're like, I, we don't want to go anywhere near anything. Um, I think there's a lot of danger with modern-day kids of the coaching of their natural ability being coached out to them. They, a lot of them surf very similar. Mm. Um, you know, Because they're doing it to a formula that they've been told to do. Yeah, now. there's a criteria now and they go, right, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that. And they're and being taught you know, to the exam. They're, they're, you know, they're all being filmed all the time and watching themselves back. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think that they need to be let, let loose a little bit. Maybe that's why... Like for myself, that's what my dad did, kind mm. of thing, by not being yeah. so, you know. Um, it's like in the classroom, they're practicing for the test, basically. Yeah. Totally, and you yeah. can see it. You know, it's they're they're all surfing the same, and I think that the modern day side of that coaching thing, even though I run the surf school, and I'm slightly anti it. Mm. You know, like the cream will always rise to the top mm. anyway, mm. and they need to be left to mm. rise to the top, mm. rather than being told that oh you're going to be great or you know you're amazing mm. you're amazing and social media is not good for that in that sense because they stick a photo up and they oh i got 400 likes brilliant well mm. hang on a minute you can't paddle out when it's six foot <coughs> you know so mm. they, they need to be brought back to basics so they need to be told logos in logos out logos in logos out everyone you know bottom turns it's like it frustrates me you see them take off and they 
whiz down the line. You know, yeah, they can surf, and yes, they're red hot, and mm. I'm not knocking anything at all mm. about about you know what's done. But I think the best thing that all the kids from nowadays and moving forward is just go and travel. We all travelled when we were kids. They only travel now to contests. We never travelled for contests. Yeah. You know, we'd go and experience. We'd go on, go to France for the summer. Oh my God, he's just mm. surfing in darker, like 10 foot. Yeah. You know, that doesn't happen now. They, no. they, they surf here, they train here. They go to the Canaries, France, Spain, Australia, wherever, for a contest. They're there for the week, they leave. Mm. You know, it's like that they need to, it's the wrong way around. Mm. You know, because the standard is so high in competitive surfing that as a British nation, unless you are travelling, and we've all said it, we've all been told, you can't be a top surfer in Britain unless you travel. And they don't mean travelling for contests. They mean travelling and surfing in abundance of waves. Very wise words, James. Very wise words. Well, we hope those kids are listening, James, because there's still a lot to be learned from you. Um, as well, Surfman continues to move forward. Can I say, James, on behalf of both myself and Crest Podcast, that it's been great chatting to you today. An absolute fantastic experience for me and I'm sure for all the Crest Podcast listeners as well. I echo all that Rhino has said, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we'll hope to see you again in a future episode. I'm sure we can make a good enough excuse to produce a dog, can't we, to, uh, to get him on again at some point. We'll find a way. Debate him. Yes, boys. I'll soon need to bring that to Argue with Patrick and Logan, maybe. We, we've yeah, seen Logan we are. doing a bit of arguing. <laughs> he's, he's just been dusted up by Elliot Dudley, so... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And can we also say a big thank you to the listeners or viewers? Since it is for the first time possibly to be both, now, if you have, uh, if you've had any thoughts on this episode or others, then do please get in touch. Our email address is castcrest at gmail.com. And as you heard at the very start, we are also now excited to announce that we have become available via Google Podcasts, as well as our usual places on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. We, uh, that is Rhino and I, will be appearing on video one more time before Crest takes the winter off, albeit to return for a second season in 2021. And that is to interview somebody else who might not actually be that far away from where we are sitting right now. Can anyone guess who that might be? That's coming out at the start of October, a special date in Welsh surfing history for reasons which shall be revealed closer to the time. Clues, clues, all will make sense, we hope. In the meantime, looking ahead to next Monday, well, you heard an earlier mention that Rhino has also joined me for a chat with Angus Ruddle. And can I say, you are in for an absolute treat. As most people know him, uh, Gus, as most people know him, is a vascular surgeon who, besides charging heavy waves wherever and whenever he can find them, also takes on various hair-brained and extreme forms of travel in the plentiful spare time which that high-stakes job affords. The man has climbed Everest and told a vivid tale of that feat among others, to us for the benefit of Crest's listeners. It's a truly special recording indeed, and we can't wait to share it with you. Between now and then, keep enjoying the start of autumn, and here's hoping for some more waves. Thanks, thanks again. Dior fam grando, ne Edrich heavy, thanks for watching too, because you might well be watching now. Aguera here, Tronessa. Thank you very much. Good Cheers, night. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Thanks, James. Nice Crest podcast.